two, one, roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And my guest today is a retired IT executive with 35 years experience. Prior to that, he served the KGB as an illegal undercover agent in the US. We will go deep into how we can ensure a sound corporate culture and what we as the leaders can do to improve the bottom line. Welcome everybody, Jack Barsky. Oh, 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 that's the first time I'm greeted with applause. Thank you. <laughs> we are all so excited here. <laughs> and all of you. <laughs> all of us. And Jack, how how are you doing? What are you currently working on? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. So I'm, I, I got my fingers in, a, in, in about five different uh, uh, things that uh, have not yielded results. You know, my, 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 what I do most of the time these days is, uh, at, uh, to the extent I, I get invitations, I, I speak in public, uh, and you know, I, I and I have a, I have a contract with the U.S. government to uh, participate in the tr in the training, joint counterintelligence training of the armed forces. Uh, so, so that that keeps me busy, but but that doesn't fill up my time. Neither does it uh, uh, take care of uh, my twelve-year-old's college fund. So, I I have I'm involved in in five other things that have not yet started. Uh, four of which are in the entertainment industry, and one is in a, in an IT startup startup, which is interesting enough to talk about to fill the whole segment here, but. Uh, uh, I don't want to focus on that. So, so I'm I'm busy, 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 and uh, and that's good because you know I'm I'm busier than I was when I when I was paid by some company to show up nine to five and sit around in meetings. Uh, this is this is the life that I should have had from from day one. But you know, growing up in under communism, uh, the the entrepreneurial spirit is killed off in you. You know, when I came to the United States, I didn't think of, you know, like taking that freedom and, and running with it. I sought the safety of a company as an employee, and that happened to be an insurance company that felt like uh, I'm back in, in uh, it was in the early 80s, I'm back in East Germany where they take care of you and promise you, you know, just, you know, be a good boy and uh, you can retire with a gold watch. My God, you know, that they changed dramatically, but when I entered in, and so, you know, entrepreneur, my daughter, I, uh, uh, my, my older daughter, who's 35, is an entrepreneur through and through. And, you know, she inherited my free spirit, my, my contrarian attitude. My, every, I have everything that it would have taken to become an entrepreneur, but, but not the heart for it, because that was killed off by, by communism. Most people listening here are entrepreneurs, they are running small businesses, yep. medium-sized businesses, but they have never experienced a war. How did the experience of being in the KGB, of being in a war, inform who you are today as a leader, as an entrepreneur? Uh, well, let, let me uh, start answering it is relevant. It's it, it's part of the answer, but you, you didn't ask the specific question. I, I watched a few of your videos on YouTube, 
and in one of them you <coughs> you <coughs> excuse me <coughs> you uh, give a definition of sprint and i love it because you're talking about sprint is not about speed it's about focus and so i'm comparing this you, you know i'm i'm still out there jogging when i'm jogging i'm not focused on putting the, my two feet in front of each other i'm constantly thinking about something else so i'm not focused this is this is the opposite of a sprint uh, i used to like run track and field when when you are starting the 100 meters there's nothing else that comes to mind you just run so and here's the uh, the parallel with regard to my uh, operations as an agent uh every time and, and i i give it a i call it something different but it's the same as a sprint uh Every time uh, I, there was a difficult operation ahead or something I was concerned about, like uh, crossing borders or uh, meeting an agent in, another, in a third country and then becoming another person because you got different documentation. So everything where you have focus on executing something perfectly, <clears throat> I called it execution mode because I would, I would deliberately ban every thought every emotion from my brain and only focus what to do next to get that thing done. And so I, I think a, a successful entrepreneur that the way you describe them, it's got to act the same way, get going and focus. And sometimes you go in the wrong direction. That's okay. It's better than not going. It's better than pontificating and just, uh, you know, exchanging words and dreaming uh, because I, I've been meeting so many dreamers uh, now that uh, I, uh, I'm in an, in an unstructured environment and so many people who will tell you, I will do this and we will do that and we should do this and nothing ever happens because they just don't have the ability to, to go, go into a sprint and, and at least get the first thing done and then keep on going and going. So that's another long answer to a short question. <laughs> Thank you. And now that you are building your next ventures, how do you pick the right people? How do you ensure that the culture on your team is as you want it to be. All right, uh, sir. This is uh, this is going to be uh, an answer that uh, that some people may not want to hear, particularly not management consultants. Um, so, <clears throat> when the KGB hired people like me, they were primarily looking for uh, character traits that are already. Uh, resident in in the candidate and this is called the nature element you know what what you were sort of what you were given at birth such as you know very functioning brain uh a, a independent spirit and a lot of things that that you you cannot you can maybe go towards a little bit but if you don't have them you don't have them if you if you're born in, uh, with the instinctive fear of everything you're doing you you cannot become a it, it, let, let me everything i say has an exception okay everything does like somebody uh really really dramatic moments in your life can change you massively but let's get to uh, uh the 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 culture um it starts with you being a decent human being okay it starts with you being a humble hum human being you know, I, uh, there's a, there's a number of, uh, uh, notes that I, I took, 
uh, where um, where I would focus what I would focus on first of all and that's uh, uh, f- uh, taken out of the book uh, from good to great by Jack Collins that's my favorite uh, business saying get the right people on the bus so don't don't surround yourself with ass kissers re- re- surround yourself with competent bold individuals who are not afraid to uh, give you a, an opinion contrary to yours, because uh, if you have the right people on the bus, all you can do is get better and learn. Okay, from as far as the subject matter expertise, that's number one. Behavior-wise as well. So you, <clears throat> and here here are some of the uh, the juxtapositions. Um, um, get the right people on the bus and create a shared vision. I'm not talking about management by consent. Okay, because that that will slow you down like you wouldn't believe. You know, I've been in companies like that. Uh, but but a shared vision. We, this is where we're going. And then each each one of the individuals with the well-defined areas of responsibility will do their part to get there. And as a leader, you don't like hover over them and constantly micromanage and, and constantly ask them to report how's it going, how's it going, how's it going. Yes, you, that's important, but but don't don't sit on people. It will it will suffocate in it, uh, them and it will uh, reduce their creativity. So you got to have a culture of trust. It's very important. And uh, as we m- most of us know, that trust is very difficult to build. It takes time because you have to show that you can be trusted. You have to show that you you, you uh, are your, your word is always good. And God forbid, if you change your mind, you let everybody know why you're doing this, uh, because there's changing changing circumstances. But that's called, you know, that's called integrity. So, if you you have got to build a, a, a an atmosphere of trust versus fear, and I've uh, I spent uh, my corporate uh, life in six different six different companies. Uh, a couple of them, one was small, one was mid sized, and the other uh, four were pretty large. And uh, fear is, in, in, in those companies, fear was a driving factor for a lot of management decision and decisions. And they, they will invariably be wrong or just, uh, you know, grind you to a halt. I've had situations, and particularly in utilities, and, you know, I'm sure the, you, the, the folks that uh, are listening to your program are most likely they are either extremely disgruntled utilities uh, uh, employees or or they're not. And, and, but but we had situations where we needed permission for everything. And I was in charge of information technology, and I went to a senior uh, vice president. You know, he was like right under the CEO, and I asked for permission, and uh, he delegated the decision back down to us because he was afraid to make it. <laughs> so. Uh, Humility is important, and so you know this. Uh, uh, there's this this um, aura about in 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 the in the public discourse in the media about those hero CEOs, the the ones that are greater than big life. And it started, I think, to at least in my memory, with Jack Welch. Well. Well, Jack Collins proved that Jack Welch wasn't that great as, in, as far as the bottom line of GE was concerned, all right? But he was big, and he still is big. You know, he's the, he was the one who rescued GE. Well, he also 
was very good at uh, begging, pleading, extorting, and all that stuff, and then building himself up. And, you know, as much as I like the guy, Elon Musk is a hero CEO. And <laughs> Donald Trump <laughs> was a hero CEO. Everybody he doesn't like, he just fired. Uh, that that does not build a sound culture. That will what what that does. It will suppress the opinions and the contributions of the ones that you hired to to make this thing happen. Right. So so that's uh, humility is really important. And it's not like being you. You can be a humble individual and still a great leader. You don't lose authority by saying, you know what, I screwed that one up. I love this. That's not a... So you look at the natural element plus what what you can help and and, and teach, uh, and and the second thing is that you look for particular values and traits that fit your team. I'm also super super interested in hearing about your leadership um, advice. What we can do as a leader to improve the bottom line. After one word from our sponsors. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprint's blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprint's method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprint's 12 ways to accelerate growth for an agile business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. You have seen the biggest leaders in actions. You are a leader building ventures. What is the role of leadership right now? Well, I, I I tried to answer this before, but let me let me give it a different uh, angle. So when it isn't it isn't just uh, only about uh, you know the the character traits you were born with. It's not you know there's a lot of things that can be taught. Uh, I'm uh, I just want to warn the listeners or the audience uh, of um, a lot of charlatans that call themselves management consultants. They are bullshit artists. However, there's one type of management consultant I would highly recommend. They have to be good at it. And it's called communication coaches because business leaders, and you know, I have a, I have a background in, in, uh, in science, uh, and as a scientist, and then I learned another language. So, uh, my communication skills weren't that good, you know, and, and, you know, most, and, and a lot of you know uh, entrepreneurs are coming out of you know en engineering, uh, information technology, and so forth. And we speak a different language, and we need to be able to communicate not only with the, the non-technical people in our corporation, but also with our customers. So here's my here's my example. Um, I was a, a project leader on, on a very very large project at Prudential. We were. Uh, replacing the payroll for close to 100,000 people and a lot of uh, very, very highly paid executives. So that that had to be on time and work really well. So uh, <clears throat> I gave a, a, an update to senior management for 20 minutes with a PowerPoint presentation. And afterwards, my 
my boss called me in her office and to her credit, she, she looked at me and says, she said the following, I will never forget it. Jack, you suck. <laughs> that's, that's from your boss. But I knew she loved me and, and I know what she meant. And she sent me to a, 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 a there's a Carnegie course out there uh, that teaches communication. And there were, I think, 17 sessions. And every session, every, every person had to get up and, and give a mini speech about something. And so that allowed me to reach back in, in here and remember that I actually wasn't that bad in German. So I just, and so from then on, I, I took every opportunity to, uh, to say something in front of a crowd. And now I can stand up in front of 10,000 people and, and talk because there's no more fear. Uh, and, uh, but, but, but that particular moment was important. I didn't have a dedicated uh, uh, communications coach um, because I, all I needed was like that push in the right direction. But communication is so important. And particularly, and you may know this as well as I do, the English language is very, very fuzzy. You know, German is precise. It's less, there's less likelihood that you misunderstand because the, wor the words have just one narrowly defined meaning. In English, there are synonyms for everything. And so you need to learn how to, particularly, you need to learn how to speak the language of your audience rather than your own. And, and I think that, that, is, that is so critical uh, because it's so easy to be misunderstood. And I love it that she said, Jack, you suck, but you heard, <laughs> hey, she, she, she loves me and she is showing me what I can do better. So it's yeah. not so much the words, it's, it's a lot about the intention and the context, oh, yeah. right? And, and basically about our heart when we communicate. We, we, we had a trust relationship at that point already. We had worked together for a year and uh, she, uh, she really delegated uh, competence uh, where, where it was and the technical competence was mine. She didn't have it. She, she was a project manager and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a highly focused leader, mostly focused on her career, but, but that sort of coincided with the job that she had to do in the company. So it, was, it worked out really well. But communication is key. And I'm, I'm curious about your experience. One thing that I see is that communication is a lot of miscommunication. We talk to each other, but we don't really close the loop. And many times something else reaches the other side than what we actually wanted to say. And, yeah. and, and also nowadays, whatever the company is that we are running, we are a media company. If we want it or not, we yeah. are a media company. We have to learn copywriting. We have to learn getting a message across. Yeah. I find it quite hard and challenging, also very creative and very re rewarding. And I'm learning so much. But I'm curious about your experience with this. What did you learn about communication from your experience? Well, <clears throat> I, I got to repeat it. Uh... Uh, the, the, you need to learn, an, as an individual, you need to learn a number of different languages and speak them. So when you go, <clears throat> when you go <clears throat> talk, talk to your CFO, you talk numbers. Uh, when you t go to HR, you talk, uh, you know, fuzzy things, you know, uh, you know, the next uh, company outing or stuff like that, you know, what, what gets them excited. Uh, 
that way you you are in in the same territory and uh, less likelihood of misunderstanding or completely not understanding one another uh, and unfortunately there's a lot of uh, bosses that only know one language and that's the language of narcissism and that one you don't really want to feed you just want to get out you were recently on on one of my favorite podcasts on Lex Friedman's podcast I figured, how, yeah, I thought, <laughs> how did that experience change you or change your week <clears throat> so um, I have uh, since I came out of the closet I've been interviewed uh, probably a couple of hundred times and uh, half of those were like cable TV those sh short uh, uh, segments of when they ask you one question and then you have five minutes to answer the question and so forth and I usually when I'm on those programs after five the five minutes I'm totally exhausted I sat with Lex for five and a half hours and when we were done I could have started over again. It was so relaxing. It's the, the fellow, it, that was the best interview I've ever had. And that includes the 60 minutes, uh, because he, he, he create, he knows how, knows how do you make you comfortable, which is a good start to get stuff out of you that you would normally not share. Okay. Because if you're on edge, you're protecting yourself. There was no protection necessary. And I wasn't aware that there were like altogether by now there are about three million people listening to this. It was just me and him having a conversation. And the other talent he has is he knows how to allow his uh, his interviewees breathe. And and I already indicated and you already had a couple of examples. Uh, you know, you can you can get me going and I'm going to talk for 10 minutes. And he allowed that. And then he would find you know, when it, when it was time to redirect, it, the, the, the fellow is a phenomenal interviewer. And uh, and obviously, he, he also goes pretty deep. And, and he asked me a question at the very end uh, that, you know, I think the, the question was, are you afraid of dying? And that was the first time I was asked that question in public. And I couldn't help but be honest about it. Uh, because, you know, as a as a believing Christian, I'm supposed to not be afraid, but that that is not the case. So here's here we're talking about, you know, when when you when you uh, communicate with your uh, with your employees, particularly one on one with your customers, just let them breathe, let them relax. Uh, you will you will get more of them because the majority of, of people that I met in in business somehow protect some truths that they think should not come out. I love and, this. And for the people listening, if you if if you want to hear that, it's the Lex Friedman podcast episode 301 and three hours, 33 minutes in, they talk about mortality. Three hours and 33 minutes if you want to jump there. And I think this is really related, thank you for bringing this up, to two things that we discussed at the beginning. One is hero CEO versus enabler CEO. And, yeah. um, and, one, and one is also the communication aspect. So for example, I do my, my prayers and my yoga every day, 
because otherwise, if I don't do that a couple times a day, I identify myself with this with this little meat here, with this body. And then, of course, <laughs> <laughs> that cannot run a global company. Come on. So no, you speak my you speak my language here, definitely. Exactly. You know, I could just uh, what you just said. Uh, I'm identical in my attitude towards self. I'm a little so, taller than you. So the question about mortality is maybe the leadership practice number one to shortly have a practice, a daily practice where you feel the eternal you and not just, you know, the body you, the, the current you, but the eternal side of you. Because if we can uh, let go of this ego and body for a moment, we are probably much more in tune with the greater intelligence of our team, with the greater intelligence of our community, our society, our surroundings, yeah. and that's who we are here to serve. We, we, we are asked to die onto ourselves, which will make us greater in the, in the, in the, in the long term. Here's a, a thought that I had when you were talking. Uh, when, when we're talking about, you know, startups or, you know, company, young companies, uh, I think it, one aspect that, that is, that, that needs to, needs to be addressed you need to have some kind of a mission that is beyond making money. Uh, that that and everybody and people in that in that organization need to buy into that mission. So, for instance, that startup I'm involved in, we we're, we're going to operate in cyberspace uh, and actually um, uh, being offensive, not defensive. Now mm -hmm. that requires uh, some some. Eth eth ethical values, okay, Be because there's there's always the, and w one of our ex members actually uh, violated them, and uh, he's now spending time in jail. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you can do good with with the same tool uh, as you as you can do very evil, and then obviously in order for that goal to be, you know come closer and you you be able to be able to to reach that goal you need to have a profitable bottom line or else this is capitalism you know or else you know you can't exist that's that's a that's a foundational thing so you need to when you, a while ago you asked a question and i was thinking as one of the answers uh you need to you need to manage by the numbers and you need to be honest with your numbers uh period because if the numbers are off and not, not reflecting reality before you know it, you can't do what, what you had set out dreaming to do. I love this. Reality is both a numerical thing and also a more qualitative things where you look at the dashboards. We have a weekly dashboard and some people say, wow, but that's too much. Weekly marketing number, weekly sales number, weekly ops number. Come on. And I say, yeah, otherwise I'm flying blind. I don't want to fly blind. This is a ship with people on it. <laughs> yeah. This is this is real. Their families rely on this. Okay. So we are we are responsible. And as you say, we are powerful. And so we want to use it in in an intentional way. So we want to know what is the reality right now of our activities and of all the things that we do, what is actually happening. 
So which numbers are going up and which aren't and which are going down? Because otherwise, what do we base our decisions upon? About narratives? So like I can dream of Elon being the biggest, the, the best strategists. And then, yeah, my, maybe that's just a narrative and I'm making it up. So where are the numbers that tell me, yes, this is the current reality? Right. That's, uh, I, I agree with you 100%. And, uh, and one other thing that uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm on, right now I'm the CEO of me. And while I was uh, working for the KGB, I was pretty much also the CEO of me because I, I didn't have a team that helped me make decisions. I had to make all the decisions by, by myself. So, uh, so I've never been uh, at the at the top of a company, uh, but if I were, I would, I would uh, encourage and maybe even request or or. or uh, make every employee reflect on how they particularly in their very job can contribute will contribute to the bottom line of the company some of them have direct com uh, contributions some of them are indirect and particularly i am very concerned with the uh with the power that hr has uh, uh amassed in, in many places uh I have worked with some really good HR people, but most of them don't know what the heck they're doing. And they're checking the box and they, uh, you know, they are cheerleading and they, they are very often in the way of making good hiring decisions. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jack Welch was known to, you know, uh, put HR like very much at the top of the, of the hierarchy. I don't know how good HR was, but I, I just know this one thing that the 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 saga that every year uh, and GE got rid of the bottom 10 percent. That was an outright lie. I met ex CE employees. OK, that did, never happened. It's funny because it became it became a thing, right? And many, many people repeat it yeah. and do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with a fellow who was at the time uh, the youngest executive in uh, GE, and this guy is like rock solid, very honest, and uh, and he had to leave, and and he actually became an entrepreneur because, you know, the the big companies they pretty much uh, when you get to a certain level they own you, and then they put you over there, and then you put you over there, you know, and GE had a lot of foreign assignments, and this fellow had family. He said, uh uh I, I, I gotta I, I gotta be more in charge of my own life and not become a minion uh, this is so important for everybody listening right now I we live in a time where it's it's easy to get your life back and to live a life that is like you need it and your family needs it and your friends need it and at the same time you can build great stuff and you can build teams and you can be impactful so uh, is it correct you would start your entrepreneurial journey even earlier now knowing what you know now me yeah <clears throat> i would be 
you know, um, obviously she's my daughter, so we have an age difference, but I would be right there with her because as we, we are, she uh, has, her boyfriend is uh, big time in real estate and he, he got a college degree and then did not join a company. He, he just jumped right into real estate and uh, he co-owns three different companies. Uh, it's not just brokerage, it's uh, flip, flipping houses and he's investing in real estate. And so every time I, I hear them talk about all this stuff, what you can do, and they say, oh, my God. And, um, and uh, you know, one of them, she has a dream to, there's, there's, a, there's an old older building, an abandoned church, and they think that they can eventually buy it and make it into a sanctuary for animals because my daughter is an animal lover. Now, that can make a little money, too. It will be a nonprofit, but, but it's fulfilling. And, uh, and it will create employment for a number of people and make some profits as well, a non-profit. It, 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 you know, you can pay yourself a salary. So uh, anyway, so, so, so th- this, this is, I've always was looking for meaning in life. And when, when, my, when my corporate career um, finished and the meaning I had working for corporate is to p- provide for my family. Okay, I had two families, and uh, they were entirely dependent on me. Uh, but when when I left corporate, I was able to pursue a whole bunch of other things that uh, uh, that are much more fulfilling. Uh, you know, I've been I've been mentoring uh, college students. I've been speaking in in, in high schools, uh, churches, and you know, at business meetings, pro bono, and then I'm. When when the the organization has some money, I I will ask to be paid because <laughs> you you got to eat right. <laughs> but you know, and and this is this is me making my own decisions. And so if it if it fails, who I, who do I have to blame? Only me. And even if even if others have contributed to the to the failure, it's it's meaningless for me to point to them. Because I don't change them, I can change me. I can learn. I can learn my own lessons, and I still do. A bit, by the way, speaking of learning, very, very important uh, in this in this day and age. And we 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 know already. It is 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 uh, operating at a at a incredible speed, and then we have disruptors uh, like COVID, right? And uh, if you don't learn, if you're not flexible, if you if you're not open to new ideas, if you don't if you can't change on a dime, uh, you may you may look failure in the eyes. You 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 cannot you cannot say, well, I know what I'm doing because it worked yesterday and it will work tomorrow. Well, the basic principles may, but your approach to the business may not. Let's talk about your books. You are a pro- prolific writer, and there are different things that we can listen to, that we can watch, that we can read. One comment on one of your books I found very interesting. It says, boring, there is no action here. And then somebody else answers and says, wait a moment, I'm working since 20 years in intelligence. You guys don't understand that the real work of intelligence. 99% is not action. So which book should we pick next and um, and how much action is in there you you want me to recommend uh, uh, spy books 
And, and I, wrote on, I wrote only one book, and that's my memoir. But uh, I also have a whole bunch of uh, essays on my website, and some of them have to do with leadership. Uh, that uh, so, but um, the 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 best spy books are actually, in my view, nonfiction. Uh, and there's a there's a British author Ben McIntyre, who who sells up to a million copies of his books. He's very good. He he's he, he he's writing biographies of famous spies, and uh, the probably one of the most famous spies in history is Kim Philby. He was uh, MI six, and he was um, uh, he was um, um, Cambridge educated, upper class, and jo joined MI six and became the head of the section that uh, operated against the Soviet Union. And every time that uh, MI6 had a plan to roll out, the KGB knew about it. And so he was, he, he actually managed to to flee and, and not get arrested. And, and that biography is called A Spy Among Friends. It's just uh, phenomenal. And, you know, in the espionage world, you know, everybody who has been an operative, that means out in the field, not an analyst, not in, in, in the office, will have interesting stories to tell. They, they all, because we're dealing, we're dealing uh, with your own self, you get yourself, uh, you get to know yourself very well in the process, and you, you're operating with other people all the time. It's, it's all about influencing people like uh, the, the Carnegie book, right? How to, how to win friends and influence people. By the way, <laughs> as, a, as an aside, I never got any psychological training. I never talked to a psychologist who either trained me or just, uh, to, you know, analyzed me in, in the KGB. But one day, one of my liaisons or you know, somebody who had uh, been active in the U.S. as a, as a diplomat slash KGB agent, he came in, into my into my apartment and he threw that book on, in front of me he says and that's the Carnegie book read that <laughs> and it's totally relevant because and, and and it's relevant to all of us because we on a daily basis uh, we whether we are aware of it or not we influence people in some way so that they help us you know, on in, in making a step in the right direction because we need maybe we need their help or we want their help, and uh, and that's not manipulation. Influencing is something else. You know, you put you you put ideas out and hope hopefully that they buy into those ideas. And this is again where communication is is critical. You have to be able to uh, clearly enunciate, formulate uh, what what you're after. You and you and and the worst thing is you in this situation the worst character trait you uh, you can display is passive aggressiveness, because then that will just confuse everybody, <laughs> because you never say what you mean. Totally, and you know I'm still thinking about the mortality thing. Am I afraid to die? Yes, in some hours more than in others. In which hours, the least? Well, either directly after a meditation or a prayer. But also, in a day where I went fully in, meaning that I didn't hedge, I didn't save anything for later or whatever you want to call it, right? When I jump full in, 
into what I feel that is the right thing to do, it's just a little bit, it takes a bit of courage and vulnerability. Okay, but I'm doing it. I'm not going away from this. I'm facing it. I'm, I'm starting something. On such a day, um, I'm less afraid to die because if it's over now, I, I did it. I, I did have a wild ride. I didn't hedge. Yeah. I took my you, shot. You, yes. And, and, you know, I'm thinking along the same lines. Uh, and I, I tell people uh, who sort of, you know, now they are, my, my generation is in retirement, quote unquote, but younger people do not focus on retirement. Uh, you, and I know, you know, contemporaries of mine who are retired from life. And eventually when it times to, to go, they might just uh, think this really nasty sentence, I could have been a contender. And I am not finished. I, I have things to do. I, I have a reason to get up in the morning and do what I do, uh, partially because I love doing it and I have to be active, but partially because, you know, I got a 12 year old and, uh, and I'm going to uh, share something I have not shared in public yet. Uh, I will get remarried. My ex-wife just divorced me a while ago, and I'm looking forward to a, <laughs> a loving relationship okay. with a with a new lady in my life. And so I have so, a lot of stuff to look forward to. And and in the context of in that context, I'm just focused on getting there. And then today I was uh, was reading about the the ex-pope uh, being he's 93 years old, I believe, and being uh, probably ready to to leave the earth. And I'm saying, if I get to that point, and I achieved all the things that I that I could, that had dreamed of, I think it, the fear will go away. Uh, it's just now now this concern. Please don't, you know, allow me another whatever, you know. <laughs> but but I'm just not finished. I'm not finished, and and also because I I started late in life when when I uh, when I stopped spying. I became a normal human being and I discovered all my feelings and, and, and I discovered the, the most important feeling that I believe that, uh, uh, that, uh, that in, in, in a person's life and that's uh, love. And, uh, last week, a friend of mine sent me a letter that, which is, was mind blowing. I'm reading this is written by Albert Einstein and there's a mm -hmm. paragraph. He's, uh, he's just about a couple of years before leaving the earth. Uh, that's written to his daughter, Lisa, who, who, who he regretted not to have loved enough. And somewhere in the middle, there's a paragraph that says, and there's the greatest force in the universe has four letters, L-O-V-E, love. And that's Albert Einstein. Mm. So, and I'm there, I'm there with him. <laughs> and, and, and so when I say I started over, this started after I left the KGB or right at that time. And so, and, I, and, and that makes me feel better about myself. That, that gives me an incentive to, to, to improve and, uh, and just love, love people the way they should be loved. It doesn't mean you can, you cannot, uh, despise some. Okay. There, there are a lot of people who, you know, you, maybe you love them as, uh, you know, as, as human being, but you can't, you can't, you can't love the way they behave. Okay, so that's that's not in 
That's the, they're separate. You know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Uh, anyway, I digressed again. <laughs> I'm looking up one page of our our vision as a team because we also we we wrote page page six of our current vision 2026 work is love made visible khalil gibran when i saw that that work is love made visible i love it it really hit me hard because you know i love working i love being here like i love my kids yeah. and, and like i love yeah. my life mm -hmm. uh, and 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 um for me, work is, is you know, is, is the chance to serve, is the chance to improve something. So uh, for me, there is not a split between, you know, working, loving, playing. It's all one. It's all one, actually. So when you say the driver of the universe is love, I say, yes, totally. It's service, it's love, it's connection, right? What else? This is the, the base energy or the base material, if you yeah. want, of all we do. And and uh, I, I have never had, never had occasion to use the phrase, thank God it's Friday. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you have a job that you don't like, if, if it makes you miserable, you need to get out. <laughs> uh, because, you know, and I actually, I met, I, uh, I encouraged a number of people, a couple of them were my direct reports to leave the company because we couldn't, we, we, there was no fit. We couldn't get, get them what they needed to thrive. And it worked out. It says, you got to go, but you know, don't, don't tell upper management. <laughs> that would be betrayal, but that's the way to work. You want people, uh, in, in your company that love coming to work, that love everybody else, that, that have a passion for what they're doing and never, never complain. And also, uh, never, uh, don't change personalities based on where they are like the the one at home and the one at work because a lot of people think they have to play act mm -hmm. and and unfortunately that and this is not a anti-woman statement i love women i've always loved girls women and so forth and the the, the the females but but because corporations are still primarily male driven there's there's women who think they they need to like act like males that that is voluntarily giving up your strength as a as an as a human being and then try to be somebody else and there's men that come in and you know when at home they're like uh, nice people and then they come into the office and they're like you know look who i am no don't you know who i am so you need a little respect here you know that's puffing themselves up you know, don't don't play roles. Be yourself. You need to be your authentic self because everything else people will will uh, smell uh, and uh, and act accordingly. Then they will not uh, open up to you. And so the whole thing is the the whole enterprise will be, you know, burdened by a bunch of uh, failed miscommunications. And, uh, and, and it's, it's really not what we call, a, you know, a, um, a, 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 a shared vision. You know, then everybody's out for themselves and their own careers. And, you know, I can, I can see the way you, you, uh, you talk and, and your message. Uh, I, would, I would 
love to be a member of your company and I, I know it would work really well. And, uh, and nowadays I have a choice and I'm hoping that my our startup will get going and I will have a, uh, I won't be the CEO simply because I have no experience in the startup world, but I will be instrumental in building the team because of my long history of watching people. I really uh, am pretty darn good at assessing individuals, sometimes just with a phone call, you know, to basics. Okay. I can't guess whether they like the Dallas Cowboys or, or Dortmund München or München München Gladbach or whatever they're called. Uh, but, but, you know, whether they're a good fit in terms of, you know, basic attitude and personality. So, uh, and, you know, I, I, I would actually be a pretty damn good, uh, um, management consultant in the HR space, but, uh, I don't want to do it. I want to do what, what I'm doing now. <laughs> and, and it's beautiful what you're building and what you're doing. How can we be part of the journey? Where can we find your book? Well, the book is uh, available on Amazon. It's called uh, Deep Undercover. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, this book has been out for four and a half years. And it has a 4.6 rating on Amazon, which beats... Um, Harry Potter by a, percent, a percentage point. Harry Potter is 4.5. Yeah. Now, she sold a lot more books, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I get excellent feedback. And, uh, and again, this is not because I'm the greatest writer on the planet, because it's teamwork, okay? I had a consultant, a, a, a person who became my friend who, who was a, uh, is a published novelist, and she, she taught me, she... She taught me how to make to write a memoir so that it will flow. You know, I wrote it as like as a stream of consciousness, like like a long, long diary. This is what happened, and that, 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 that. And she said, "No, you need to break it up. You need to have scenes. You need to paint an atmosphere. You need to you know, just show. You need to allow the the reader to put themselves into your shoes." And that worked really well. And then we had a really good editor. And editors don't get credit enough for 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 good books because mm -hmm. they are key. He cut about 35 pages of uh, the manuscript. And as a result, and this is the biggest compliment I get, this thing reads like a novel, it flows. And there's a lot of people who said, I couldn't put it down. So um, if you're a reader, it uh, uh, you, you, you will like this book. I guarantee you pretty much. Uh, it's not a big money maker for me anymore. You know, I, I made about $100,000 and that took a whole year to, to, to do so. You know, I made more money in a year uh, showing up nine to five in my last job. <laughs> but, but that was obviously a passion of mine. It was a lot of fun. Uh, people are asking me for my secret life entangled allegiances as a KGB spy in America. That's correct. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're still working on possibly um, creating a miniseries based on, uh, you know, this story in my book. And that would be fictionalized to some degree, but you don't have to fictionalize a lot because my I, I'm not responsible for my life. I didn't think of it. I didn't create it. I just stumbled around in what happened. I, uh, I reacted to the people that, you know, made suggestions or, you know, pushed me in a certain direction and I reacted to events, but I, I never really did a long-term plan for my life. And a lot of people that I 
that I know that had these phenomenal careers. You know, they started as entrepreneurs. They planned ahead of time and, and they focused on those various sprints. You know, just that wasn't me. Fundamentally, uh, I, uh, I played life. I didn't, I didn't take anything seriously. I just like, let's see what happens here. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm a little more deliberate these days, again, because we talked about mortality. We talked about, you know, fulfilling a mission and we talked about living uh, your life. Uh, so, so that you actually can say, you know what, in the end, I, I became a, a happy person. Hmm. And speaking of happiness, I, I just got to get rid of this one. Uh, again, it's something that it popped into my head the, the other day. And then a, a week later, I found that a much smarter person than me, I forgot a, a philosopher, said the same thing. The ability to laugh at yourself, to make fun of yourself is absolutely critical. Uh, it's a critical element to achieving happiness in life, because if you can, make fun of yourself, that means you become invulnerable. Whatever other people think of you, whatever, you already know what you messed up. <laughs> I love And that. I do it all the time. I do, I'm talking to myself, I said, what an idiot, you know, this, this was wrong. <laughs> but then you go on, you know, don't make the same mistake twice, right? Same here. Where if I watch like a video of me five years ago, I go, Simon, why are you so grumpy? Why are you so tense? Come on, let go of yeah. the intensity. Yes, it's serious, but it's not that serious, right? And do we want to be around people who are laughing? Or do we want yeah. to be around people yeah. who are super grumpy and totally obsessed? Oh, I know these atmospherics are phenomenal. I just moved to Texas like it's now probably four months ago. And I uh, it's the first time that I actually uh, I'm in this state and interacting with Texans and at least where I live, they're all happy. Mm. They, they, they walk around with a smile on their face. Mm. You can engage them. And so when you, when, when, when the, and I've, I've, I've yet to see anybody arguing in public, mm. you know, in, in other parts of the mm. country, it happens a lot mm -hmm. and, you know, and people getting angry with their kids and all this none of that and so when i go out into the world it's a it's a really good feeling and that helps you even get better in, internally as well as how you interact with others so uh yeah i i totally discovered uh, the value of positive emotions and it uh, it, it was a real real long detour <laughs> but i got there this is beautiful and i'm staying there Jack Barsky, everybody, thank you for sharing your wisdom, your experience, even your tactics on how you look at people, how you think about corporate culture, how you build ventures and what leadership uh, is right now. Please, Jack, come back soon when your ventures are in the next stage. We want to be part of the journey. Okay. And um, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Um, tell me when we're off. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? 
discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategies Prints blueprints, how they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategies Prints method. Order your copy of Strategies Prints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to Strategies.